This is another episode of Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt. And I'm Kelsey. This is Kelsey. We have got a story for you that's going to turn the stomach. So welcome back. Welcome back to uh, Main Corpse. I'm Matt. And I'm Kelsey. And uh, today... I have something that I am, I'm not going to lie, I am really fucking excited about this episode. I'm Really effing excited about this episode, for those of you who have virgin ears. Listening to a podcast (laughs) about murder. about murder. So, today is going to be a Matt episode, and it's going to be a two-parter. So, this is part one. You're going to get part two here in two weeks, or uh, right now, if you're listening to this and it's old. Fair enough. You can go listen to it right as soon as you're done with this. Because today, we're going to talk about the Zodiac. I'm so excited. Yeah, also known as the Zodiac Killer. Um, I am not going to tread very much new ground here. But this episode is going to be to set up a couple things so we can tread some new ground in episode two. Um, And I'm I'm not going to lie. I am really, really, really excited. So when I was growing up... I was obsessed with Sherlock Holmes stories because I was more interested in how crimes were solved than the crimes themselves. I think that's why every episode that I've done so far has been pretty much unsolved because mm-hmm. I, I'm really kind of crazy about the, uh, the way they solve crimes, the way they catch killers, uh, things like that. So I'm incredibly excited to get to this. Because it's uh, it's going to be so much fun to talk about. Uh, because, again, this has been gone over and over and over again. But I think you'll get my enthusiasm when we get into it a little bit more. The other thing I'm really excited about is the food. Yes, I am thrilled for this. We uh, decided to this week we're going to do Mountain State Brewing Company. And we got a pizza and my husband got nachos. So, obviously, we stole nachos. We have nachos here, too. Yeah, we're going to have pictures of both. And... Um, Again, cards on the table with this. This is my one of my favorite restaurants. It is. Um, absolutely a place that I go to all the time. I was literally just there last week. And then <laughs> when we were talking about what food to do for this week, I was like, why not Mountain State? Because I'm obsessed with it right now. Um, I've been eating there since, oh my gosh, I've probably been eating at Mountain State for like 14 years at this point. Uh, I started going to their first location, which was in Deep Creek, Maryland. Um, and I would go there like at least once a month, we would make the drive to go get their pizza. Then they opened in Morgantown and today we're eating from their third location, which is Bridgeport. Um, and of course there's the original brewer in Thomas, which they don't do a whole lot of food there, or at mm-hmm. least they didn't used to. Uh, but man, they're really, really good. And their beer is fantastic. I don't have any other beer today, uh, but it is really, really good. So what pizza did you choose? Because you chose the pizza. Tell us about um, it. I chose all of another because I will <clears throat> never pass up the opportunity to have Toppin' on. And I'm looking over at her plate right now, and one of her pieces of pizza is half eaten already. So I think <laughs> she already has some uh, some feedback on this one. So it's got all of Toppin' What else does it have? It's got roasted red peppers, um artichokes, and fresh mozzarella, and it's so good. Oh my god, that's so good. Mm-hmm. So what's really weird about this pizza, when we opened it, this is the first time I've had it in like four years, probably, to be honest. I always get 
their olive tapenade when I go in and get their hummus platter. Mm-hmm. I always get a side of olive tapenade with it because it's so good. But if you look at it, it's like a traditional flatbread pizza. Super thin crust. Um, and instead of pizza sauce, it's got olive tapenade um, where the pizza sauce would be. And then it's got mozzarella cheese um, and everything right on top of it. It just looks absolutely delicious and it tastes even better. Really good. I brought nachos in for us to have as well. What all is on the nachos, Matt? Do you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite things to get there, so I definitely know. Um, Great. So it's tricolored nachos, so like the the white nacho chips, red and blue. Um, It's got pulled pork on it, which is amazing. They do a really good job with their pulled pork. It tastes like an oven-roasted pulled pork, which is fine. It doesn't taste smoked or anything, but it's really good. Um, It's got... Um, again, mozzarella cheese on it. I believe it's mozzarella, maybe provolone. I would have to double check with them. But it's got cheese on it, not nacho cheese, regular cheese. Um, and then it's got this chipotle drizzle mm-hmm. that they put over it that is really smoky. That might be why they don't smoke their pork um, for this, because that is already super smoky. Um, it's got diced red onions, um, and it's got jalapenos. And my God, is it really, really good. So I'm going to steal one of those real quick. Help yourself. So, yeah, they make delicious, delicious nachos. The Chipotle drizzle is, you know, the technical term would be the shit. Um, we can't say that. We can't I'm not it. allowed to anymore. I'm sorry. It's uh, the bomb. The bomb.com. I think the kids still the say that. Bomb.com. I think someone said that in like 2008. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Those nachos are so good. Our podcast is slowly coming up with new ways to say words that you'd normally say. Mm-hmm. And no murder. Just that. None. Yeah. You're not getting any more murder. No. We're going to murder these nachos and this pizza. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a crime. It also comes with a side of sour cream, but I very rarely ever use it when I get them to go, just because I it never lasts long enough for me to remember it's there. So. Mm. The chipotle sauce is also what they put on my personal favorite pizza there, which is um, the Fire on the Mountain pizza. So I don't know if I... Did I t- was I the, was I telling you this story? So I was in the Philippines for about two months back in 2017, 2018, mm-hmm. right around there. Um, yeah, it was, it was Christmas of 2017 that I was there. I left in late October, came back in late December... Uh, We're laughing because there's another story that goes along with that (laughs) that I'm not going to get into right now. I got home from the Philippines and we, we, we literally like we got home and it's, it's, uh, it's the 22nd when we got home, the 23rd, I wake up and Brittany's like, Hey, do you want to go down and see your dad? Or what do you want to get into today? And I was like, I want to go to Mountain State and get a fire on the Mountain Pizza. <laughs> the first person I saw when I got back in this state was Brittany. The second person was the waitress of, at Mountain <laughs> State Brewing. So I could get a fire on the Mountain Pizza. And I literally like shed a tear over that pizza because I missed it so much when I was gone. It is such a good pizza. You're the one who introduced mm-hmm. me to Mountain State um, <clears throat> when they first made their yeah. Bridgeport location. And that's what we ordered. Mm-hmm. We also got both of their dessert pizzas that time, and I'm going to be honest, the, the raspberry pizza with the, the cheese is my favorite thing in the world. It's really good. Yeah. 
I don't know if you can tell because this is probably the longest food segment we've ever done. I can talk about week. them all day. I can talk about them all day. So the fire on the mountain is their crushed tomato sauce, which is really, mm-hmm. really good sauce. They do a really good job with it. Um, it's got their cheese on it. I think it's a provolone mozzarella mix on on their normal pizza. That's what it tastes like to me when I eat it. It could I could be wrong on that. But then it's got um, hot Italian sausage. It's got hot banana peppers. It's got really good quality pepperoni. And then they put their chipotle drizzle mm-hmm. over it, and it is delectable. Fabulous. Yeah. It's really really good. Um, it's it's the best thing they have as far as I'm concerned. Um, I love this too though. This pizza is is definitely good. So, see, yeah. I don't think that's true. They're um, they have pulled pork sandwiches. Oh yeah, they're Boar's Nest sandwiches. Yeah, super good. That's what I get every time we go. Is that one of the ones that actually bake in the pizza oven? I don't know. Those are some. I don't think so. It doesn't like the bread's not crunchy or anything. Yeah. It's it's a nice soft bread. Yeah, I've had it before, but it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, their chicken sandwich is also really good. Their shredded chicken that has the uh, I think it has, it has apple the apple butter, butter on it. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, also so very good. good. Super super good. Okay, so that's enough talk about food. Um, <laughs> she finished both of her pieces of pizza. I couldn't stop talking long enough to uh, to finish both, but we're going to get into um, the zodiac. How much do you know about the Zodiac? I'm assuming a lot. Like the standard stuff? Just like the standard stuff and what you see in like media and stuff like that, but not a lot. Okay. All right. So let's let's jump right into it because what gets me about the Zodiac is... I'm just going to put this out there beforehand and then when we're going over the victims, mm-hmm. I want your opinion on this. I think he might be one of the most efficient killers I have ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Just because he he's he doesn't do anything to get himself caught. He's just and he's so brazen about the way he does everything. Yeah. But he's so methodical. He he's super, super methodical. Um almost almost military like. Keep that in mind. Because I, I have some theories about that. So let's go over the basics first. This is practically right off the Wikipedia page because I was like, this is the best way to set this up. So the Zodiac, <clears throat> if you're unfamiliar, murdered five confirmed victims. That That's really all that he's confirmed to have killed is five. So the fact that he is so ingrained in popular culture really is not because of body count because of how he murdered his victims or anything like that it's really because of what he did afterwards and the way that he went about um him his toying with the police which i'm sure you know a little bit about um so he committed these murders the confirmed murders between december 1968 and october 1969 And what's interesting about him is he operated in rural areas, suburban areas, and literally right in the middle of the city. He he killed all over the place. He had no real um, preferred location or anything like that. Uh, He kind of would commit the murders wherever it it hit him, it seems, right? So he targeted young couples and a lone male cab driver. driver, um, And his known attacks took place in Benicia, Vallejo, and unincorporated Napa County, and in the city of San Francisco proper. So again, right in the middle of San Francisco. Um, Two of his attempted victims actually survived. Um, a lot of people don't know that, but that's how they, I believe that's how they got the sketches of him that you've seen. The really popular sketch. 
Again, two of his victims um, survived. The Zodiac himself is claimed to have murdered 37 victims. Um, and he's also linked to several other cold cases, some in Southern California or even outside of the state. And we're going to talk about a couple of those. So um, it is when you get into the Zodiac, it is heavily disputed how many people he actually killed. But again, we can confirm five is what we can confirm. So that's what we're going to go based on today are the five confirmed killings. So it should also be stated that at this point, this is still considered a cold case. They still do not know um, 100 with 100 percent accuracy who com who actually um, committed these murders. So uh, it is definitely if you go, go Google right now, just just pause this and go to Google and type in the Zodiac Killer. And look at how many websites are dedicated to him. Look at the media around him. And look at all of the arguments about who the killer is. Uh, it is stunning how much information there is on a cold case, basically. Not a cold case, but on an unsolved murder. So the Zodiac originated the name itself in a series of taunting letters and cards that he mailed to regional newspapers, threatening killing sprees and bombings um, if they were not printed. Some of the letters included uh, cryptograms or ciphers um, in which the killer claimed he was collecting his victims as slaves for the afterlife. Of the four ciphers he produced, two remain completely unsolved. They do not know how to break these. Um, and one took 51 years to crack. That's the one that just got cracked, right? Um, this one, I believe, was actually cracked back in the 2010s, the 2000s. Mm -hmm. Actually, the most recent update, which we'll get into later on, um, is more about um, the mugshot, or the, sorry, the artist's sketch of no, the killer. one of his um, ciphers was cracked um, during COVID. Was it really? Uh -huh. Maybe I'm totally wrong on that. So yeah, you're probably right. Because now that I'm adding it up, 51 years would put it right around 2020. So I guess I'm wrong on that. So yeah, that must be the one they're talking about. Super cool. I'll have to look into that. Um, I did not look into that that part of it. Um, I just know it's really stunning that it took 51 years mm -hmm. to crack. Um, that's, that's crazy. While many theories regarding the identity of the killer have been suggested, uh, the only suspect authorities, um, ever publicly named was Arthur Lee Allen, a former elementary school teacher, um, and convicted sex offender who died in 1992. Um, so that is not the, uh, the only suspect. Um, there are suspects all over the internet. I mean, they name drop people like crazy. And the most recent one to be name dropped um, is a really interesting one. And I have some really cool shit to talk about with that here in a bit. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, so although the Zodiac ceased written communications right around 1974, uh, the unusual nature of the case led to international interest and has sustained throughout the years. The San Francisco Police Department marked the case inactive in April of 2004, but reopened it at some point prior to 2007. That is really interesting to me that they closed it and reopened it. The only thing I can think of that would cause the police to reopen a case is if they had a suspect. If they had a suspect or they had um, new um, information mm -hmm. yeah. that would 
Po- or possibly. possibly they could link him to another crime mm-hmm. that they confirmed. Where they, but I, I haven't seen anything where they confirmed why they reopened it in 2007. The case also remains open in the city of Vallejo, as well as Napa County and Salona County. Um, the California Department of Justice has maintained an open case file on Zodiac um, murder since 1969. So this is a this is this is intense. Um, I would say outside of possibly Jack the Ripper, this is this is probably the most famous serial killer of all time. Um, I, I think the way it's permeated media, permeated society, the sustained interest in it, I don't know that any other killer has captivated people quite the way the Zodiac has. I feel like Bundy did. I, I think Ted Bundy might have. I think Ted Bundy might have done that. Um, but... See, the issue with him is we know who he is. Yeah, he was caught. We're talking Mm -hmm. about, we don't even know who this person is. And and it's this famous. Um, I mean, you you see it everywhere. The new Batman movie that's about to come out, Mm -hmm. The Riddler, is based on the Zodiac Killer. Which I'm Um, thrilled for. Yeah, he's going to be super cool. You can watch the trailers and you can see it. You can see it in the notes, everything like that. It actually makes more sense to have that version of The Riddler than... Have one that's like an Egyptian sphinx giving you yeah, clues. Exactly. It's so uh, it's not Jim Carrey, but it'll do. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Um, I'm super super excited about it. Um, I can't wait to go watch that movie. So yeah, I I would say you're you're probably right that the three most famous would have to be Jack the Ripper, the Zodiac, and Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Uh, may I mean you could probably put. Uh, John Wayne Gacy up there, a little yeah. bit too, and you could you could cons- I guess you could consider Charles Manson, but I don't really consider him a serial killer. Uh, but as far as like cry- true crime figures uh, in the media, I, say, his... I feel like I would put him up there with my favorite cults. Oh yeah, oh like, yeah. Like instead the most, of like... definitely the most interesting cults. I mean, that was interesting stuff. Heaven's Gate's still my favorite. Oh, Heaven's Gate is... As a person who says yeah. things like, hey, this is my favorite cult. Yeah, hey, my, you know. Um, my favorite cult is quickly becoming the Hare Krishnas, the more I read about them. <laughs> because, God, so let's get into the victims of the Zodiac Killer. So, again, I, I want to kind of put out there before we get into this, you're probably listening to this and thinking, I don't want to keep going down this road with this podcast right now because I know everything about the Zodiac Killer. And you are likely going to know everything I'm about to tell you. But I'm, I'm just going to tell you, next episode, I'm just setting something up so that we can talk about it. Because I there there's some really interesting things going down with this new theory that this is all leading to. So let's talk about the victims. So the very first confirmed victim. So we're going to go through all five victims. The first confirmed victim um, was murdered on December 20th, 1968. Um, this murder happened at approximately 11.15-ish p.m. So after just after 11 p.m. at night. And took place... On a gravel parking area along a remote Lake Herman Road um, on the eastern outskirts of Vallejo, California. So David Faraday, who was 17, who was shot once in the head at point-blank range and died within minutes. Betty Lou Jensen, age 16, was shot five times in the back and killed instantly. The weapon was a 22 caliber semi-automatic pistol. The ammunition was Winchester Western Super X copper-coated long rifle. Long rifle, 22. Keep that in mind. 
Got it. Yeah, I'm going to be getting back to that one here in just a moment. Um, there was no indication of robbery or sexual molestation or sexual assault. Um, there were no witnesses. Several vehicles were seen in the area just prior by local resident Stella um, Borges, who discovered the crime scene. According to the police report, the victims were apparently approached while occupying Faraday's station wagon, which, by the way, this is another really interesting one because you can go to YouTube and you can watch a video of the crime scene. They have um, they have a full video on YouTube of a walkthrough of the crime scene with the car still parked there, the blood, everything is still there. If you want to go watch it, you can totally go find this. So that's totally um, a thing that they're doing now. You can walk through crime scenes like that, yeah. like virtually, and it's... Yeah. This one, this one is the actual, I believe it looks to me like 16 millimeter footage of the actual crime scene when it happened. That's awesome. It's, it's insane. Cause there, there is that, that's the other thing that I want to, that I want to point out about this case that I want to stress so often. There is so much media coverage and so much available. It is staggering that whoever committed this crime got away with it. Um, I mean, you're talking the late 1960s, early 1970s. By this point, news stations were, were, were already, you know, trying to fill up all that time. They were going hard. They were reporting a lot of stuff about it. So, you know, you would think that with that much information out there, someone would have caught him, uh, but they didn't. Um, so according to the police report, again, the victims were approached while occupying Faraday station wagon. Shots were fired into the vehicle in an apparent effort to force them out. Jensen exited the front passenger door first, followed by Faraday. Faraday was shot as he emerged from the car. Jensen was then shot as she fled on foot. It was the first date Jensen had ever been allowed to go on, and the crime completely shocked the community. The shooting could not be explained by Faraday's family. Jensen's family was equally dumbfounded. So, while Faraday and Jensen are traditionally considered definite Zodiac victims, there have been other suspects in their specific case. In the early 90s, a former um, Vallejo police detective named John Lynch said the couple was killed because Faraday had learned of a major drug deal that had been ta that had been uh, that he had been talking about. Um, openly about who was involved. So he knew about this big drug deal. He had been openly talking about everybody that was involved in it. And this detective claimed this is the reason that he was killed. So they actually, so some people actually think this first um, official victim of the Zodiac may not actually be a Zodiac victim and may have been um, basically a gangland style um, hit job. Which is really, really interesting to think about. Other they've sources... Since, sorry, they've since confirmed that this is a no. Zodiac? Okay. No, they, so they consider these two to be the first two victims of the Zodiac, mm -hmm. but a detective in the 1990s came forward and said that his theory on it, I'm not sure what his evidence is, his theory on it was that Faraday um, had learned of a major drug deal and was openly talking about the people involved. Gotcha. And they heard about it and basically took him out. Okay. Um, that is unconfirmed, but that is... I completely is, misunderstood know, what you said, Ben. It's all good. Maybe I said <laughs> it wrong. It's all right. Um, <laughs> I was trying to explain it, but maybe uh, maybe my words came out. It no just good. sounded uh, like um, it had been confirmed as a Zodiac, and then there was someone else who was like, ah, but maybe it was this. Yeah, so um, they do... So the, the official police records do record this mm -hmm. as, a, as the Zodiac killer. Okay. Um, however... 
However, another detective came out later in the 90s and is trying to dispute that. But nothing ever really came of that that I could find. I tried to look more into it and I was like, um, no, this doesn't seem to hold any water. But it's interesting to bring up. Uh, because, right. you know, while they consider this to be an official victim of the Zodiac, apparently there are still people who believe that um, that they were not victims of the Zodiac. Instead, they were victims of a gangland-style hit, uh, which, you know, who knows? Not sure why someone attempting to do that would use a twenty-two caliber pistol. Uh, that's a very small caliber. Um, but that's, you know... That's neither here nor there, I guess. Um, Other sources have also speculated that the Zodiac wasn't responsible because no taunting letters or phone calls were received until months after the murder. However, when Zodiac finally took credit for the attack, he provided many details that were not known to the general public. Uh, So that's why they still consider this to be a Zodiac killing, because he knew things about the crime Mm -hmm. that nobody else could know um, besides the police. So uh, perhaps Zodiac's sense of fulfillment um, following the Faraday-Jensen murders was so strong that he didn't feel the need to immediately brag to the news media. That's what some people believe about mm-hmm. why there was such a, a long time between it ha- between the murder and, and him taking credit for it. But who knows? Uh, more than 30 years later, local residents still haven't forgotten the crime. Um, and the secluded area of the murders hasn't changed very much. So the source I got this from was, was clearly from uh, around the early 2000s. Right. Uh, because apparently this is still very, very um, talked about in that area, which of course it would be. I mean, you know, there are murders that happen in small towns around here that that still, you know, come up all the time. So not surprising. So those are your first two victims. Those are your first two victims. And the 22 caliber long rifle ammunition is going to be really important later on. Okay. So the other thing that I want to point out, as someone who does have interest in firearms, um, I am shocked that anyone would attempt to murder the way that he did, or the way that the killer did. I say he, uh, but you know the way the killer did with a twenty-two caliber rifle. Twenty-two caliber is is really tiny, right? Um, and it's it's really uh, really effective against like small. Uh, game like squirrels, rabbits, things like that when you're hunting. But to to kill a human um, or to kill any large game like a deer or something like that, it, it's extremely ineffective. Not in this case. I mean, he he definitely did what he needed to do with it. But it's really interesting to me that that the killer would choose a 22, um, especially in a rural setting like they were in, because most of the time when crimes are committed with a 22. Um, it's premeditated, and they use a twenty-two because um, it doesn't make a lot of noise when you shoot it. It really sounds like a right. like a pop gun when you shoot it. So normally, um, that's used when you want to be quiet or something like that. But in a rural area like that, there really was no reason to be quiet. Um, so it's a really odd choice. For well, a and it's weapon. a rural area. Who's going to know? Right. Who's going to yeah. notice? We there was a whole um, like gun expo out where like my parents used to live mm-hmm. and we heard shots going off everywhere and we were just like yep it's the neighbors again yeah and didn't think anything of it we would have we'd get murdered oh yeah yeah like, as, as in as, a horror film we're the first to go as rural people i'm walking through the woods and i hear gunshots i'm like yeah someone killed a deer and it's like the middle of june yeah. and i don't know what i'm thinking you know what i mean i just i i'm so used to hearing it that it you know doesn't really phase me so those are your first victims all right so the second victim um 
So the the first murder again took place December twentieth, nineteen sixty eight. The next murder didn't take place until July fifth um, of nineteen sixty nine. So almost half a year later um, until anything else happened. So the time of this attack was approximately um, twelve ten a.m. So just after midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you can see that he's doing this late at night. Um, and the place of the attack in this case was a parking lot of the secluded Blue Rock Springs Park um, on the eastern outskirts of Vallejo, California. So um, the two victims in this case were Darlene Farron, age 22, and Mike, I think I'm saying this name wrong, but Majau or Magau, I think is how you would say his last name. It's okay. M-A-G-E-A-U. Um, and he was 19, all right? So... Um, in this case, Darlene was shot five times and Mike was shot four times. The murder weapon in this case was a nine millimeter semi-automatic pistol. There was no indication of robbery or sexual molestation. Um, and again, there were no witnesses. So Farron was married and worked as a waitress at a place called Terry's Restaurant. Uh, Miguel, I'm hoping I say that name right again, was single and worked as a laborer. Farron's husband, Dean, was initially suspected in the murder. However, was rolled out once it was established he was working as a cook at Caesar's restaurant at the time of the murder. So initially they thought the husband committed this crime and it was found out later on that uh, he had a pretty pretty airtight alibi. Um, so Farron's first husband, James Phillips Crabtree, was also briefly suspected uh, but was, uh, was cleared of, of any uh, charges or anything like that. According to the surviving victim, Majau, he did survive. He and Farron um, had parked at the isolated location to talk. Of course, they were just talking. No biggie. Um, Obviously. Yep, so they were just talking, right? Um, So a car, possibly a light brown Ford Mustang or a Chevrolet Corvair, uh, pulled into the lot just a few feet away. A man with a flashlight exited the vehicle and approached them. Uh, There were no other cars in the parking lot. Thinking it was a police officer, the couple had their identification ready. Without warning, the man began (laughs) to fire at the couple. After five shots were fired, the man slowly walked back to his car. Uh, Majal screamed in pain, at which point the man returned to fire two more shots into each victim. At this point, that's when Majal actually got a look at him. So, So... he actually saw the Zodiac Killer. He, he looked right at him, uh, which is really, really interesting to me. Um, and we'll get more into that How do we not know on. who he is for sure? Again. If, if there are two people in this world that have seen his face. I don't know. This, this is a really interesting one to me. Um, so again, he returned, shot two more times. Um, so Majau got a look at him, um, said the man was white, 5'8 to 5'9, in his late 20s to early 30s, stocky build, round face, and brown hair. That's how he described the Zodiac Killer. No conversation between the victims and the man occurred. Approximately 45 minutes later, the Vallejo Police Department received a call from a man claiming responsibility for the attack. So within 45 minutes, they get a call, someone uh, claiming responsibility. Uh, he correctly identified the weapon used as a 9mm and also took credit at this point for the Faraday Jensen murders of December 20th, 1968. For the next few weeks, the investigation went nowhere. Then on July 31st, letters were sent to the Vallejo Times Herald, San Francisco Examiner, 
and the San Francisco Chron uh, Chronicle. The letters claimed to be from the killer of Faraday, Jensen, and Farron. Details were included that only the killer could have known, and each letter contained one-third of a cipher that, if solved, supposedly contained the killer's identity. While the killer hadn't yet given himself the name Zodiac, this marked the beginning of the letter-writing spree that would go on for more than five years. So again, he sent these ciphers to three different places, all uh, included details that only the killer could have known, and he claimed that when you put the three ciphers together and solve them, you would know the name of the, the killer. Um, and at this point, he was not calling himself the Zodiac Killer yet. All right? In 1991, Mike, the only survivor of that second attack, um, identified, Ar uh, identified Arthur Lee Allen as being the shooter. This identification was a result of him being shown a photo lineup by George Bowert of the Vallejo Police Department. When Bowert asked Majow why he had never identified Allen in the 20 years since, um, he said that Allen had never been shown to him. He had never seen any pictures of the suspects. He had only ever been asked if he recognized names. Now, why would the police ask? Because, again, you heard, I said, there was no conversation that happened between them. He didn't walk up and say, hi, my name is blank and I'm here to kill you. So the police asked him, do you <laughs> recognize these names? And it sounds to me like the police were laboring under this idea that it had to be someone who knew him. Right. And that's why they were asking him if he recognized the names. Who knows? Uh, but, um, yeah, it, it, you know, if this is true, um, it is widely considered to be the biggest law enforcement blunder um, of modern times. So. I mean. Yeah, you have a survivor and you don't show them a lineup. You don't show them pictures. You just ask them, hey, do you recognize this name? And they're like, nope, you know sure what? don't. Someday when I finally snap and I start like serial murdering people, yeah. I'm going to introduce myself first and foremost. <laughs> I'm going to go up and be like, hi, by the way, my name's Kelsey. Um, I'll be your murderer I'll be, today. I'm, I'm going to be doing this. So <laughs> I just feel like it's information you should have if you're going to die. Here's my address. Here's my... Uh, Here's, here's my, my blood type. Yeah. Here's my social. Uh, <laughs> here are all. Here's a list of all of my fears from first to last. Uh, the top <laughs> one is is the number one fear. Uh, <laughs> it's clowns. In case anyone wants to know, really clowns. Terrified. You know what? It's not even the clown being a clown. It's anything that has like a face that I. I can't see. She can't see their real face. Yeah. It's, so, it's a so is problem. Michael Myers like a really scary like Not at all. Really? Not okay. at all because it's completely expressionless. Okay. All yeah, right. it's if I can't tell what you're like feeling, but it's like a face. I, I it's it's like the paint. The face paint. That's a problem for there me. Is, there is something psychological going on here. We could deep dive that if you wanted to. <laughs> I mean we can if you want to. There's it goes up way, way back into history. People who are actually just afraid wow. of like really pale creatures okay. who have like who are expressionless. It's it's a thing. They would have never survived in the the millennial culture. Pale, you know. I will have you know I did just fine as an emo kid, pale, pale terrified of clowns. Faces. Um, all right. So the next <laughs> the next murder. This is where it gets really interesting, because this is the only murder that is tied specifically to the Zodiac that gets as brutal as this one does. So, so far, to recap what the Zodiac has done. <clears throat> the Zodiac 
walked up to a parked car with a 22 semi-automatic pistol, 22 long rifle, uh, long rifle ammunition, and shot a couple. As right? you do. So he killed both of them. He walks up to another parked car with a couple, and he shoots both of them with a 9mm pistol and uh, leaves one survivor, which I'm assuming he did not think he had survived or he would have just walked away. So this time, he changes his MO completely. Do you know about the third the third murder? This is brutal. I don't know where this came from, from the Zodiac. This is a brutal one to me. I, I don't know why, but this is one, this is the this is the murder that always stuck out from the Zodiac Killer to me. Um, so this one occurred um, in September of 1969, specifically September 27th. And it occurred at 6.15 p.m. on a Saturday. And this was on the shoreline of Lake uh, Berryessa near Napa, California. So okay. it was the shoreline of a small lake. All right. So Cecilia Shepard, who was 22, was stabbed 10 times, five times in the front and five times in the back. That's some pretty serious uh, rage right there. Brian Hartnell, age 20, was stabbed six times in the back. The knife was a wooden handle and a blade approximately 10 to 12 inches long. There was no indication of robbery or sexual molestation or assault, and there were no witnesses to this one. So again, this one is particularly brutal to me. And I also want to know how... Do we think this one was maybe the personal one? I do. Yeah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into why. Because there's another murder that is tied to him, mm -hmm. but not... But not they don't. They can't say specifically that he did it. Mm -hmm. That is very similar to this. Okay. And that one feels really, really personal as well. So um, this one feels personal to me when I when I read this. So according to the police report, the couple was relaxing on a blanket at a very remote location by the lake. Um, Shepard noticed a man approaching them wearing an unusual costume and holding a gun. He appeared to be more than six feet tall uh, with a heavy build. The man claimed he was a prison escapee from either Montana or Colorado and needed money and a car to flee to Mexico. Hartnell offered his wallet and car keys, uh, which were not taken. Um, after several minutes of conversation, the man tied the couple up with plastic clothesline and began stabbing them. Hartnell was attacked first, then Shepard. After the assault, the man casually walked away from the scene. Um, after several minutes, a nearby fisherman heard the couple screaming um, and alerted park rangers. By the time help arrived, uh, Shepard and Hartnell had managed to untie their restraints. Um, it took nearly an hour for an ambulance to arrive, I'm assuming because it was so remote, because it was in the middle of nowhere, at which time both victims were in critical condition. Just over an hour after the attack, the Napa Police Department received a call from a man claiming responsibility for the stabbing. The call was quick quickly traced to a phone booth in downtown Napa, and fingerprints were later recovered. Meanwhile, Napa County Sheriff's Department deputies um, were responding to the crime scene. Uh, they found that the attacker had written a message on the victim's car door, which I have a picture of, and I will show Ooh. you in just one moment. So he had uh, written a message on the victim's car door. The message included the dates of the Faraday Jensen and Farron Majow attacks um, and was signed with a cross circle symbol. The first time that I'm aware that we saw the Zodiac, the Zodiac sign. Yeah, the, no, not Zodiac sign, but the, the Zodiac killer's kind of symbol. Right. Um, 
you know, which is crazy effective um, for for getting people kind of riled up. And if you watch the, the again the trailer for the new Batman movie, um, mm-hmm. you'll see that he has a symbol that looks very very similar to the Zodiac. Really? Killer. Yeah, I've noticed. Well, it seems a similar of to a target almost. Like, yeah, exactly. Crosshair. Yep, it looks like a target. Um, so let's see. The message included, again, the dates of the other murders. Um, tire tracks indicated the killer had uh, parked behind the victim's car. Um, size 10 and a half wing walker shoe prints were recovered uh, from the scene, indicating the suspect weighing more than 210 pounds. Detectives later located three young women who had noticed a strange man in the general area just a couple of hours before the attack. Shepard died within 48 hours of the stabbing. Her funeral services attracted a, a massive amount of uh, mourners. Um, Hartnell recovered from his wounds um, and is actually still, uh, as of as of the time this information was written, was uh, still alive and was an attorney in Southern California. Um so from time to time, Brian did give interviews over the years after the attack. Um, he will no longer discuss the case with the news media. Many suspects were scrutinized, including the serial killer Ted Bundy. Um, they they actually looked into the possibility. Um, a February 1989 comparison of fingerprints helped clear Bundy of the crime. So Bundy was actually investigated for it and was cleared. Um, Danny so, Rowling wanted to be as cool as Ted Bundy. <laughs> this okay. was this was clearly a bizarre and 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 really crazy crime. This was so so the Zodiac killer at, at this point had an mo and mm-hmm. now doesn't anymore. I mean, he still is attacking couples, which makes me think it's definitely something um, to do with with possibly women or people who are in a relationship. Um, who knows? But um, yeah, this was this was extremely brutal for him. Uh, Do you think he's so, changing Mo to stay off the radar? I mean, he's clearly extremely intelligent, so it's possible that that's what he's doing. I mean, it's so um, rare that our um, yeah. serial killers have a really high IQ. So yeah, when and, they and do, this, this dude definitely, definitely does. And if you would like to see the picture, so and much. we are going to include this on. Uh, this is probably going to be the little cap for the first episode of this double I hope feature. So. so there is the car door. Yeah, that's a that is a sight. Yeah, yeah it's that's a sight. exactly what that now, is. Other people talk about how the lines go out from the circle. So if you've ever mm-hmm. if you've never seen the zodiac symbol, uh, go look it up. The zodiac killer symbol. It does look like a sight, like crosshairs. Yeah. But everybody that I talk to points out how the lines go outside of the circle, mm-hmm. which. Um, there are all kinds of psychiatrists who say that that means different things. And I've really? read some stuff about that. So um, it's interesting. And what's really interesting, is if you're looking at this picture, so if you're listening to this, go pull up the picture and look at it with us. Um, the top of the door is where you're going to see the symbol. And it's going to say Vallejo. It's going to give the dates of all three murders. Um, the third one has the time, which is really, really interesting. Um, oh, no, no, no. Six... Yeah, 6.30 is what yeah. it says. Yeah, 6.30. And it says, by knife, underneath it. Real quick. Um, yeah, so. <clears throat> was this, this was done at night, not in the morning? This was done at about 6.30 in the evening. Okay, so yep. here's my thing about that. Be- okay, this has nothing to do with anything we've talked about yet, but <laughs> a lot of people talk about how they think he was military. And yeah. here's the thing. I He wouldn't have used 6.30. We use military time. Ooh, 
Oh, I've never heard anyone bring that up. I'm sure somebody has. Um, or maybe maybe he's one of those people that's like, well, you people don't, don't understand anything military, so I'll just use your civilian time. So my... The guy <laughs> using a cipher is not going to use military time? Hey, leave me alone. <laughs> um, all right. So by this point, let's kind of recap what we have here. So we have three separate couples who were attacked. The first couple both were killed. The second couple, the female died. And the male happened to live. I'm also noticing that if you go back and look at this, the female uh, victim in the first crime was shot five times when the male was mm-hmm. not. The second time around, um, the female was shot so many times she instantly died and the male was left alive because he only received, if I remember, one or two gunshot wounds. Mm-hmm. This time around, she was stabbed five times in the back and five times in the front. And he was stabbed six times. So he clearly is taking a lot more anger out on women. Do you than think he's he leaving met. the men alive on purpose? I think maybe he's trying to, but that, mm-hmm. but see, then again, that doesn't make it. I thought that too. And then I was like, well, wait, then when he heard the one guy cry out in pain, he walked back and put two more guns, two more shots at him. So that's a good point. I don't think he's doing it purposefully, but he's definitely taking out a little bit more on the women than he is the gentleman. Which, All the best serial killers have mommy issues. Yeah, so. they, they clearly do. So we are now going to move into um, our last confirmed, and this is, I, I won't say confirmed, again, our last that is that is directly attributed to the, uh, to the Zodiac Killer. So this crime occurred October 11th, 1969, and the time of the attack was 9.55 at night. So again, evening, nighttime is when all of these took place. Um, the place of attack in this uh, in this instance was the northeast corner of Washington and Cherry Streets in Presidio Heights, San Francisco, California. So he moved out of the rural areas and walked right into the city for this one, uh, which is really he's getting really bolder. He's um yeah he, he's he's get, he he thinks that they can't touch him right now. He he is uh, he is doing some extra stuff here. <laughs> So let's get to this one because this is a really interesting one and it's going to tie back to another one that is considered a cold case that some people think he's responsible for. Because we're also going to go through some cold cases here in just a minute and talk about those. So one may not be a cold case anymore. We'll get to that one. That's the one that's so popular right now. So October 11th, 1969, again, 9.55, right in the middle of the city. Cab driver Paul Stein. Note the profession. Cab driver. Mm-hmm. Cab driver Paul Stein, age 29, was shot once in the head at point-blank range. The weapon used was a 9mm semi-automatic pistol, but it was not the same 9mm that was used in the Farron murders. Um, there were three witnesses uh, from a house on the southeast corner um, of the intersection. So three people saw this happen. Stein's cab was held at Mason and Geary Streets. Um, with the intended destination being Washington and Maple Streets near Presidio. For reasons unknown, the cab ended up at Washington and Cherry Streets, um, a block away from the original destination. Stein's wallet and keys were taken, and a large portion of his shirt was carefully torn off. Bloody fingerprints, potentially the suspect, were recovered from the vehicle. According to a police document, a pair of men's size 7 black leather gloves were also found. Um, The three witnesses watched the suspect from approximately 60 feet away as he wiped down the cab with cloth after killing Stein. 
They called the police and described a white male, 25 to 30 years old, uh, 5'8 to 5'9, stocky build, reddish brown hair, uh, worn uh, in a crew cut, and heavy rimmed glasses and dark clothing. They last saw him casually walking north on Cherry Street. Um, unfortunately, the police dispatcher mistakenly described the suspect as being a black male adult. Oh, they for completely fuck's sake. missed him because the because the dispatcher got the skin color wrong. Sixties racism. This yeah. man literally walking through the middle right. of San Francisco after killing a cab driver, wiping the cab down with vict- with with people watching, walks away and fails to be caught. Um, I mean, just just absolutely, you can't make this shit up, right? Um, so. As a result, when patrol officers Donald uh, Falk and Eric Zelms minutes later observed a white man walking east on Jackson Street, he was never stopped and questioned. The officers did not get a good look at him. However, when the correct description of the suspect was finally broadcast, the officers realized they potentially encountered him. Um, a search of the area where the man had been observed was conducted to no avail. Um, the man seen by Falcon Zelms was very similar to the suspect observed by the three witnesses. He was white, somewhere between 35 and 40 years old, described as 5'10", and somewhere between 180 and 200 pounds, barrel-chested, with light-colored, crew-cut hair, wearing glasses. They saw him and drove right by him. Right by him. The man didn't appear to be carrying anything, and no conversation between the man and the officers took place. The Stein murder was initially thought to be a routine cabbie killing. Uh, apparently that's a common thing a ru- out in California. <laughs> yeah, um, A robbery gone bad, something like that. However, on October 3rd, 1969, the San Francisco Chronicle received a letter from Zodiac containing a portion of the bloody shirt and taking credit for the killing. SFPD officers Dave Toshi and Bill Armstrong, um, who were assigned to the case, were shocked to realize that the shirt actually belonged to Stein. So when he pulled the piece of shirt off, wiped the cab down with it, he took it home with him and sent it to the fucking cops. Like, this is brazen stuff. Um, you're seeing now why people are so obsessed with this. Because, it's because he literally yeah, was right there. They had him. They, they, they had literally him. could have had him. And there's three people watching yep. him wipe the evidence down, and they're just like, yeah, that's that's sketchy. Yeah. Later, the Zodiac claimed to have spoken with the patrolman the night of the murder, even though they claim it didn't happen. Um, he claims he led them astray. Three witness, The three witnesses who, ha- who were hampered by poor lighting conditions and fog during the observation of the crime worked with a police composite artist to put a face on the Zodiac. A few days later, after the sketch was circulated through the Bay Area in the form of a wanted poster, the witnesses requested the sketch be altered to make it more accurate. So they had already put it out there, and then later on said it was inaccurate. So they needed it redone. I mean, have you seen it? It's- yeah. The, all of these sketches have like one yep. thing in common. They they just look like some dude. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like it just it's just. Yeah, some... I feel like you could put anyone's face beside it and you could see similarities. Like, oh yeah, no, that's totally uh, him. You know, regular human man kills people. <laughs> uh, you know, just medium white guy. Um, yeah, like... just a, <laughs> there's not a lot of them. We need to be on the lookout, guys. Um, like to be a medium white man. I am a plump white man. It sucks. 
You don't understand how hard that's been on me. Um, <laughs> you never get accused wrongly of murder. They can always <laughs> identify my ass. It's stupid. Uh, <laughs> so, again, it was... Uh, it was So they did eventually correct the sketch. And another version was made more than a month after Stein's murder. Um, and uh, so... Also, more than a month after, um, Officer Falk finally came forward about the possible encounter with the killer. So, the officer who saw him waited because I, I guess he felt so... Stupid? Stupid, yeah. Um, I mean, in his defense, they told him to look for a black male, so that's what he was looking for. And, uh, yeah, let the let the guy walk right by. So, that's that's everything we know as far as the, the official victims of, of the Zodiac. Um and yeah, you again, when you read this, you can see why it's been so captivating and why people are still obsessed with it. People love a mystery and mm-hmm. people love true crime. And this it, it, it's chocolate and peanut butter in this case. And we do have some cold cases we're going to talk about right now. I'm going to go ahead and do those first and then I'm going to go through some of my favorite um, movies and kind of media surrounding um, the... Uh, the the zodiac one of which you guys have already heard about in the last episode so spoiler alert on that one <laughs> it's all good um so now let's talk let's talk cold cases that could potentially be linked all right so the first cold case we're going to talk about um happened on april 10th 1962 about 6 years before the first murder that is officially attributed to the zodiac um, so this one actually happened at, again, 11.20 p.m., late night, and it happened in Oceanside, California, which is a good distance away from the Bay Area. So let's discuss what actually happened here. So Ray Davis, age 27, was shot twice from behind in his own cab. Uh-huh. So he was shot twice from behind in his own cab. I the mean, it weapon, was probably just routine. The weapon was a 22 caliber and the immuni- the ammunition was 22 caliber long rifle. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how about that one? So well, how many people are going around with a 22 caliber long rifle just like popping people off? Uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it seems that's And wouldn't you have to be really really good if you were using a 22 to be murdering people? I I mean, I'm, I'm going to get really, really out there for a second here and just tell you guys something. Uh, so if you're listening to this, I, I'm not going to explain how I know this uh, because that would take us down a whole different path. So 22s are, are actually used fairly often by people who commit suicide. And the problem with a 22 is it often fails to do the job. And what right. I mean by that is um, more often than not, it actually results in severe um, damage, but not but not necessarily death. Um, so if someone were to like say... Like sheriff's son and preacher. Exactly. If someone yeah. were to say, shoot themselves uh, in the head with a twenty two. And this is the best way I can describe why a twenty-two is not good for murder. I mean, there's no other way to describe this. Uh, so that's what I'm going to say. When selecting your weapon, don't select a twenty-two. The right? problem with a twenty-two, and again, um, this is because I'm a hunter, because I I, I own weapons and things like that. Um, I I don't, you know, 
I don't want to get too far into that, but because I do, I, I know I, I've learned a lot about ammunition and caliber and everything like that, right? So the problem with a 22 is it doesn't have enough velocity to go in and out. So it's not going to go right. all the way in through. And would ricochet. And it would ricochet around. Nine millimeters actually have a similar problem. A nine millimeter is a pretty small caliber weapon. So mm -hmm. the fact that he's choosing a nine millimeter is super common. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it is a very effective device if you want to kill somebody. But it's also a very small caliber. So you run into potential problems. So the fact that this killer uses 22s and nine millimeters says, I think, more about him not wanting to get caught than it does him uh, wanting to effectively kill. I, I think he's using these small caliber weapons because they're not going to make a lot of noise. They're not going to alert people. You know, you could go half a block away from here and shoot a 9mm, and unless you were really listening, you're not going to mm -hmm. hear it. And a twenty two, it literally sounds like... Um, a, a hyper pellet gun when you shoot right. it, right? It just mostly sounds like a puff of air. Um, so it, it's all, you know, it's, it's an interesting choice to say the least. And the fact that it was a cab driver shot in his cab by a 22 caliber pistol with long rifle ammunition is really, really interesting to me. Um, this one, to my knowledge, has never been solved. It is still a uh, cold case. So here are some, some kind of specifics about this. After becoming estranged from his wife, Davis lived with his brother in a rented house um, in Oceanside, California. At 1110, uh, Davis, um, a driver for the Checker Cab Company, picked up a fare at the downtown cab stand possibly on Mission Avenue, and notified his dispatcher that he was delivering the fare to a location in South Oceanside. Davis was never heard from again. Early the next morning, the body of Davis was found um, in the exclusive upscale neighborhood of St. Malo, uh, Oceanside's first gated community. Davis had been shot twice from the backseat of his cab, one shot uh, in his back and the other to his head. After dumping the body of Davis in an alley, the killer escaped in the cab before quickly abandoning it on 400 South Pacific Street. The exact dump site of the body was an alley directly behind 926 South Pacific Street. The investigation revealed that Davis wasn't robbed and police could never establish a motive for the killing. So now let's talk about the other reason they think this could be him. So the killer called the police in advance and warned them that he would soon be committing a baffling crime. Soon after Davis was killed, the police received another call from the killer, this time threatening to target a random bus driver. Now, that's really important because one thing I didn't talk about, because I wanted to focus more on the victims than the, the actual letters, because everybody knows the letters. One of the letters that he sent specifically said um, that he was going to target um, a, a school bus and blow it up. Um, he, he So the Zodiac threatened to kill a, a school bus full of children. And now, in this case, this killer is calling the police before and after the crime and threatening to target a bus driver next. Okay, that's weird. It's very odd, right? Like, very, very <laughs> odd. Um, servicemen from nearby Camp Pendleton were used to help guard bus stops. Um, even though by late 1969 the killer was making headlines throughout the country, law enforcement never noticed the similarities. Never noticed it. 
All right, so now I'm going to save our last one for the kind of footnote to this episode because it is going to propel us into our next episode. Because remember, this is a two-parter. This is all set up for the big payoff, which is going to come in episode two. So wait (laughs) for that one. And we'll get to that in just a minute. So before we get to that, let's talk movies. I love movies. Let's do it. So I am a film fanatic. So one of the things I wanted to do today with this episode is something a little bit different. I want to count down the top five movies, in my opinion, made about the Zodiac Killer or containing a killer that is clearly modeled after the Zodiac Killer. Um, So some of these do mention the Zodiac Killer by name. Um, Two of them don't at all. And my number one is one that a lot of people likely have never heard of before, but I want to talk about it. Um, And then I want you to watch this one with me and see what you think. I'm thrilled. So let's jump into this. So my number five, I'm going to go from five to one, and you tell me if you've watched any of these. My number one is Dirty Harry, the Clint Eastwood movie from 1971. Have you ever watched it before? I have not. So um, this movie was actually released in 71, so this would have been while the killer was still active. And still sending notes and letters and things like that. So basically, this is kind of loosely based on the Zodiac case. um, And it features a serial killer who calls himself Scorpio. And at one point, he kidnaps a bus full of children, um, mirroring the threat to shoot children on a school bus that the Zodiac made. Um, It's a really violent movie with uh, Clint Eastwood doing his, like, signature scowl um, all the way through it. Just, you know, angry Clint. Um, Really a very good movie if you can get past the uh, machismo of all of it. Uh, It's a fun movie. Um, I I do think it's it's really good. Um, It's got lots lots of gunplay in it, so if you're into that. Uh, if you're in a Zodiac, you're probably into that anyway. But uh, yeah, go check it out. So number four on my list is Seven Psychopaths. Have you ever watched Seven Psychopaths? I have not. So this movie was made in 2012, and it is it is nutty. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, from beginning to end, it is a it is a wild, wild movie. And my favorite part in it is that the Zodiac Killer actually makes a brief appearance in a flashback. I won't tell you how because I don't want to give any spoilers or anything like that. Uh, But it is really, really, really interesting. Um, Number three for me is the 2007 Zodiac uh, movie. I'm assuming you've watched that one, the one with Jake Gyllenhaal in it. You know I haven't watched any of these movies. You haven't watched that movie at all? Really? Oh, man. The thing you guys don't understand is how frequently Matt has to say that to me. You've never seen that movie? And the answer is always no, Uh, I have not seen that um, movie. This movie, you would absolutely love it because it it is probably... The best, ex- it's probably the best examination of how badly blun, how how big of a blunder the investigation into the Zodiac was, and it has got just a stellar, stellar cast. So Jake Gyllenhaal uh, basically plays a reporter that's working at one of the papers, mm-hmm. and he befriends 
um, a man who is uh, basically, if I remember right, a police officer. Um, and he is, and that's played by Robert Downey Jr. It's also got Mark Ruffalo in it, uh, who is is really, really good at it. And it was directed by David Fincher, who made Seven. Um, it's really, really good. And it's just, it's just about these guys living in San Francisco at the time who are like connected to it loosely, who are trying to figure out what happened. And it goes through all sorts of interesting avenues. Um, it is a long movie at almost three hours, Mm -hmm. uh, but it is definitely worth sitting down and watching. Um, so keep that one on your to watch list. The, the, the number one, two and three, we're going to have to watch. Because these are the three that you have to see. Um, number two is The Exorcist Part 3, which came up Sorry. In, <laughs> in Kelsey's last episode. Um, there is a killer in this named the Gemini Killer, um, who, uh, what was the name of your killer last week? Danny Rowling. Yeah, Danny Rowling. Um you know, is very connected to the Gemini killer. So, uh, yeah, really, really good movie, Exorcist 3. And number one. Numero uno for me, the 1971 movie, The Zodiac Killer. This movie has one of the most interesting backstories. It was made by a well-known exploitation filmmaker at the time, and he made it because he sincerely believed that he would show this movie and the Zodiac Killer would have to come watch it, and he would use that as a ploy to catch the Zodiac Killer. Here's the thing, though. You know that the Zodiac Killer did that. He totally did. And this clearly did not work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's wild. Um, And it is very, very much a movie of its time. Wildly politically incorrect. Um, it, it, It veers off into all of these different avenues because... If you read the filmmaker's like press release about it, he was like he was like we step into the mind of the Zodiac killer and I'm like, dude, I don't think you did because I don't <laughs> I don't think he has a cult. Uh, I just don't think he does. Uh, I mean it was some it's some wild shit. Uh, and it was released recently. Um, so the original release of this movie um, on home video, VHS and DVD and some of that was a company called Something Weird, which is where this first came across my uh, where it first crossed my path. Um, I watched it, and recently there's a company um, called AGFA that um, they restore uh, kind of forgotten and neglected films, and they grabbed it and did a really beautiful release uh, that's packed full, like special features, um, commentary, things like that that kind of explain the movie a little bit and and what you're watching. Because, again, it's very much a relic of its time. It's really, really cool. Um, And it's my favorite Zodiac Killer-themed movie. And guys, there are a lot of Zodiac Killer themed movies. Um, there's a ton. Go type Zodiac into uh, IMDb and see what comes up. So there you go. And again, we we can't forget what we've talked about several times here, uh, which is uh, which is the new Batman movie is is heavily heavily influenced uh, by the uh, by the Zodiac Killer. So there you go. So are you ready for this last one? Yeah. Okay. This is where it gets dark. <laughs> because it's not already dark. This is, this is where it takes a turn, where I just immediately start, like, my, my heartstrings start getting pulled here. Oh, no. So, this attack um, is an interesting one. Um, I'm going to get more into uh, the, 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 the details of it later on. But this is just an overview. So, in episode two, so make sure you tune in for that, um, we're going to go way into this one. Because this is a really interesting one. So this one happened um, 
sometime between uh, October 30th um, and October 31st. The exact time that the police believe it happened uh, would be the span of 9.23 p.m. to 12.23 a.m., right in there somewhere. Um, so this happened in an alley on the campus of Riverside Community College in Riverside, California. 1966, uh, a 1966 graduate of Riverside's Ramona High School, 18-year-old Sherry Jo Bates was beaten and stabbed multiple times with a short bladed knife. Her throat was also cut. There was no evidence of robbery or sexual molestation, and there were no witnesses. Um, Bates had visited the college library, um, and police believe that's when her Volkswagen Beetle was disabled by her eventual killer. Um, her car was found approximately 100 yards from the alley where she was killed. A men's Timex watch with a band suggested a 7-inch wrist and was found on the scene, along with military-style heel prints indicating a size 8 to 10 shoe. The Timex watch also had dried paint on it, which is going to come into play later on. Um, the shoes, uh, so, sorry, the origin of the watch was eventually traced to a military post, possibly in England. Um, so, uh, there was a nearby Air Force base, and investigators established the watch was ripped from the attacker's wrist during the struggle. Although the watch stopped at 1224, it's unknown exactly when the crime occurred. Uh, Bates would have died very, very quickly. So what would potentially tie this to the Zodiac? So the Zodiac was first considered a suspect in the Bates murder in October 1969 when the Riverside Police noted similarities between the cases and Napa County's Zodiac killing um, in September 27, 1969. By November 1970, news media outlets have gotten wind of the possible Zodiac-Bates connection, and both the San, uh, San Francisco Chronicle and the Los Angeles Times published lengthy stories. Zodiac detectives from San Francisco met with investigators handling the case, and the conclusion was made that the Zodiac was Sherry's killer. Interesting to say the least. Um, eventually, the Zodiac sent a letter to the Los Angeles Times, postmarked March 13, 1971, accepting responsibility for the Bates crime. As in the subsequent Zodiac attacks, Bates uh, in the Bates case... Um, Sorry, as in the subsequent Zodiac attacks, the base case saw police taunting letters written in newspapers. A confession letter was mailed anonymously uh, from Riverside on November 29th, 1966, uh, Tuesday, to both the Riverside Police Department and the Riverside Press Enterprise newspaper and included details of the murder that had never been revealed by the police. So in 1966, two years prior to the Zodiac murders, um, the person who committed this murder mailed two, um, from my understanding, typewritten letters to two different police departments taking credit for this murder. Um, so that is that is where the similarities started to become kind of shocking. Um, so there you go. Um, and again, it included details of the murder that had never been revealed by police. In December 1966, um, a desk with a morbid poem scratched into the surface was discovered in the college library. 
The writing was eventually attributed to the Zodiac Killer. Additionally, three other letters were sent anonymously from Riverside on April 30th, 1965 uh, to the same, sorry, 67 to the same recipients, as well as the victim's father. They kept sending letters. Kept sending letters. So here is, uh, do you want to see the desk? Yeah. All right, so the desk that was found. Let's talk about this. This is where we're going to leave this off. I'm going to read it first. So shortly after the uh, the murder um, of this of this young young girl um, at Riverside Community College, um, a janitor who was cleaning found the following poem written on a desk: "Sick of living, unwilling to die. Cut clean." If red, clean, blood spurting, dripping, spilling all over her new dress. Oh, well, it was red anyway. Life draining into an uncertain death. She won't die. This time, someone, if I find her, just wait till next time. R.H. And I'm showing Kelsey the uh, poem now that was found scratched into a desk at the Riverside Community College. Okay. That's weird. Yeah. So that's where I'm going to leave off for right now because we've got a lot to talk about in episode yes. two. So um, this has been a lot of fun. What do you think? I, uh, it's a lot to take in, but I'm really excited. This is, <laughs> there's, there's just so, so much. There's so much more. We could literally do an entire separate podcast just talking about the Zodiac. I would be totally fine with that. We could definitely do that. Um, But there's just so much, and there's so much stuff that's happening now, still happening. Mm -hmm. And it just blows my mind. It's been 52 years. Like, that's crazy. I know. I know, and it won't go away. I mean, it won't. This So next episode, we are going to talk about the fact that they have potentially, to hook you guys in, they have potentially identified the killer and i say potentially because it is hotly contested and we're going to go over all the reasons why shortly so yeah it's it's insane and you could i mean there are books after there's book after book after book documentary after documentary movie after movie all chronicling this one killer um and and again it just won't stop um and that's uh that that's part of the enigma of it i think so all right, guys, so make sure you uh, you check out all of our episodes. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most other spots where you can find great podcasts. Uh, make sure you like us on Twitter, uh, in, or follow us on Twitter, um, follow us on Instagram, give us a like on Facebook. Um, join in, talk to us. I, I love to have a conversation. We've gotten a couple oh, really, uh, really nice messages from some of you that you're liking the content. So if you love it, keep uh, keep telling us that you love it, um, and we'll keep doing it. So for right now, um, what do stay I say? Stay creepy. Again? Stay creepy. There we go. <laughs> I almost said something different. All right, <laughs> you and guys. We'll be back with your creeps and eats next week. We'll be back two uh, weeks with your creeps and eats. I love it. Yeah, that's badass. Okay, we're out, homies. Oh,